you, Jesus. Lord, help us this morning. Pour out your grace and your mercy upon us. Open the eyes of our understanding. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we hear your eternal voice this morning. No matter what goes on here, you would be glorified and your will would be done in our lives. Amen. All right, good morning. Praise the Lord. Did anybody else have a week this week? Oh, good. Yeah, good. Hallelujah. Great. Yeah, this was, this was it. There used to be a show on TV called This Was the Week That Was. Does anybody remember that? No. Wow. It's because it was a good show. <laughs> but anyway, it has nothing to do with the kingdom. But I've been thinking about faith and our walk with the Lord and... Uh, and just to put, I, I know I've got a giant bandage on my hand, um, just so people don't have to continually ask me because it annoys me. I cut, <laughs> I cut my hand rather well. Um, yeah, and uh, actually had to, I went to the emergency room. It was so wonderfully done. And uh, so anyway, I cut my hand, but it's doing fine. And I just like wearing a big bandage because it makes you look cool. Yeah. So that's the least of my problems. Yeah, she says. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, help us. All right, let's open our Bibles to Luke. And i um, been thinking about the concept of faith and what it is to know the Lord. We talked several weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, about God training us in Ephesians 4. He's given gifts unto men, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, just to name a few. But for the perfecting or the equipping or the training of the saints. And that, we talked about training or preparing as something that is not, by the Holy Spirit particularly, and the call that God has called us, is not something that He's naturally doing. We never train a dog to do dogly things. And sometimes we believe that God has come into, the li- into our life or into the world to make humans like better humans. Um, you don't know, like, again, I, I don't know, what, you know, I hate to use a gross example, but it, it kind of seems, no one has to train a dog to go potty in the living room. So, I mean, you could train a dog to do that very well, but you really haven't trained him. What God is working in us is training us to be, he's training us with things that are unnatural. He wants us to be abnormal people, just like Jesus was abnormal. Jesus was not of this world. His thinking was not of this world. His concepts were not of this world. The purpose was not of this world. That's why when the world saw Him, and when the world sees Him, we hate Him. But those that He's called by His grace should be being changed or trained to be like Him. This continually eludes us because it's not a natural process. It's actually totally against our own thinking. Because our ways, according to Jeremiah, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So most of the time when God is actually working with us, chastening us, dealing with us, discipling us, speaking to us, training us, we actually don't receive it as a natural person. And if we're not... If we're not motivated by faith and actually walking in the Word of God, I was going to say, we're not careful which we're usually not. We just naturally believe that faith becomes a natural part of my intellect. And if I intellectually can figure or understand something, then I can move in faith. But this is exactly the point that God wants to tear down. The Bible talks about in Proverbs not to lean unto your own understanding. But the main problem we have with faith is what? My understanding. I don't understand it. I don't see it. I can't agree with it. I don't believe it. Well, that's right. That's exactly true. But we need then to discern that thought and realize simply because I don't understand it, don't agree with it, doesn't make it not true. Contrarily so, it probably is establishing that we should move by faith. Because the Bible talks about in Corinthians that we, we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. Now, faith... And I was thinking about this in faith in Hebrews 11. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
And we've said that so much that we really don't, I mean, I don't, I mean, it sounds great, but... So I began to think the other way. I began to think of what then is unbelief. Well, unbelief would be, it's the substance of things seen. See, I believe it because I see it. I believe it because I understand it. I have figured it out. That is unbelief. And many times we actually mix up the two. Because we think we understand something and have figured it out, we think, therefore, I can exercise faith. No! We're actually exercising substance in something I see, which would be... Thank you. I've got to wake up. I know it's been a week. I don't want to be here this morning either. I'm tired, sick, got a cut hand. Yeah. So, many times we actually walk in unbelief, deceiving ourselves that we believe. Well, how could that be? James says, it's not the hearer of the word that's justified, but the doer. As a matter of fact, the more you read and the less you do, the more deceived you become. Well, so we have a lot of smart people walking in unbelief that are deceived, saying, praise God. Well, it's good to praise God, but praising God like that is not necessarily praising God. It's the doer of the Word. It's the one that crucifies his mind. It's the one that denies himself. And this is, again, going back, is an unnatural act. We don't naturally say, you know, I think I'll wake up and just deny myself this morning. So God, by the Holy Spirit, sends things into our life to actually bring up this unbelief. But it's up to us, then, to trust Him. So I was reading in, in a couple of different places, you know. Faith is a deliberate commitment to a person when we see no other way. It's a deliberate commitment to a person when everything else might be screaming something else. When there seems to be no other way that, to do this, go up and go through the Red Sea. Well, what did that produce in the people of Israel? It didn't produce an excitement. Hallelujah! We've just been, they forgot the miracles that have been going on for weeks. Because faith isn't something you can store up. And that's something that needs to be teared down in our life. Because we think we've been walking with the Lord so much, I have a bank account of faith. Check it out. You're probably overdrawn. You know, there's no ATM cards. We're overdrawn. Because faith has to be renewed every day by the... Tr it's trying. See, gold has to be refined by trying. And so when the children of Israel come to the Red Sea... They had seen, I mean, they'd just been delivered. They're loaded down with goods. The, the firstborn of Egypt have been smitten. They saw plagues everywhere. You would think, man, if I was there, I would believe. Well, you're there. Today, we're having to believe in the same invisible God, in the same ridiculous circumstances. Because remember, the kingdom of God, according to 1 Corinthians, is sown how? It's, it's sown in corruption. It's sown... I'm going to turn to that because... Second Corinthians. First Corinthians. I don't know what you turned to Luke for. First Corinthians. Because this is, this is a, the kingdom of God always eludes me because it's nothing to do with me. See, I have been translated by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the resurrection of Jesus Christ and by His will. He translated me from the kingdom of darkness from once from where I once served other gods who were not gods. Because remember, when you didn't know God, what did you do? You served other gods. No, those things are hard to dissolve. Remember, uh, what was it, Rebecca or Rachel? Rebecca. She hid an idol from her father's house, Rachel. It's hard to get rid of. Those things just, the flesh just feels good. It was hard for Abraham to get rid of Ishmael. He's such a cute boy. He's my son. It's the one that's going to... And what does God ask for him to do? Would your loving God ask for you to get rid of your son? No. Would he? And that's most of the problem we have. We bring railing accusation about God because we don't understand him. We don't have unconditional commitment to a person. We have unconditional commitment to what I believe about that person. And that has to be torn down because we have ideas, concepts about who God is and what He will do. And it's those that have to come out because it's those things, it's those ideas of unbelief that if we're not careful, we can actually think that we can be a dog that poops well in the living room. Excuse me. Well, look how good I eat my food. 
There's no training in that. But what is the training of the Holy Spirit is that in what, what God calls me to do, I glorify Him and I trust Him even when it seems to be no way out. So here's all these miracles the children of Israel have just seen. They come to the Red Sea. And God says, go through. And what do they do? They actually want to kill Moses. They say, this is ridiculous. What are we doing here? Have you, has anybody been to the Red Sea this week? And did you think, what was your first thought? This can't be God. This is really stupid. What in the world does this happen? That's a good thing. Now, it's not a good thing to act on that. But it is a good thing that that came up. Not a rousing amen on that. How many people like to be tried, tempted, pushed? Does anybody here like that? No. See, but what does the Bible say? It's a good thing. Yeah, wow. Now, so God is going to bring us to circumstances that are going to divide between faith and unbelief all the time. And we have to have faith, commitment to a person, not what he's doing or what I think he's going to do. Because many times we just, we, 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 I'm trying to read this, we just depend on our own intellectual understanding and my ability to calculate things out. See, I might have known the Jesus yesterday and I've come up with some concept, but there's coming someone else. We talked about that a little on Wednesday. We'll talk about it a little bit more. That they followed and they were afraid. They never met this one. And concepts had to be torn down. It was no longer the Jesus that was touching the little children. It was no longer the Jesus healing the multitude. It was one that had set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. And he began to prophesy and to speak of what great things he was going to suffer and save the world. And they had no understanding of that. And they followed. They couldn't understand what he was doing. They realized their lives might be in jeopardy. They even tried to stop him from doing that. They were followed and were afraid. It's important. See, sometimes we get challenged and we stop following. And when you stop following, guess one of, one of the first things that will, will, will drop away? Your fear. Because you're not no longer close enough to the living God to where He's challenging you. That's why children run away from home. That's why people take drugs. That's why we try to escape. If I can just get away far enough, then I... Well, the Bible talks about that. We harden our hearts. And we think, oh, I would never harden my heart. Your heart is already hard unless you're obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit. See, by default, I'm a sinner. By default, I'm disobedient. That's why in Hebrews it says, if you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit today, don't harden your heart. The exhortation is that you're already hardened, but we have to obey. And it's in that obedience that the practicing of the Word, that faith is exercised. And it's not the hearer of the word that's justified, but the doer. So in Second First Corinthians, chapter fifteen. Where is that? Do we have? Do I have it? Forty-two. Yeah, starting. Okay, yeah. But says in, 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 now again, we have to be reminded, and God takes some very fine language to tell us that in verse 36. You fool. What, that which is sown is not quickened except it dies. There's something sown in our life. Jesus said in, if the seed doesn't die, it abides alone. If you go to save your life, you lose it. We need to sow our lives into the kingdom. There needs to be a death working in us. But it goes on here in 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. This is a natu- there is a natural body and a spiritual body. The kingdom of God, it doesn't appear what it's going to be. See, and again, we read that in Colossians. It says, who you are doesn't yet appear. But when we see Him, we're going to be like Him. The kingdom of God is sown in what? Dishonor starting with the gospel message. When we saw him, we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God. We rejected him. The stone that the builders rejected, God said, that's what I'm going to use to build my church. And so, and that we, our natural reaction would be, oh, that couldn't be the kingdom of God. We couldn't go through the Red Sea. We'd have to kill Moses. We're tired of eating this manna. We're tired of doing this thing. We're 
It has to continually be working in us so that faith can operate. Faith is not intellectual understanding, nor is it relying on who you thought Jesus was. He's taking us from glory to glory and from what? Faith to faith. See, when Martha says to to Jesus, was it Mary? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. What does Mary? Martha say, yeah, I know who you will be. No, no, I'm doing something now. Do you believe it's me working now? Do you trust me now, even though it will go against every... And you're going to have to kill the natural man to do it. No more going party in the living room. I have to learn to scratch on the door. When everything in you says, let's go in the corner. You know, you're a cute little puppy. No, God wants to train us, perfect us. So the kingdom of God is sown how? In corruption, in weakness, in dishonor. And sometimes that throws us, doesn't it? Because we look and go, this isn't my idea, God. I don't think God should be doing this. If God really was in my midst, this would be happening. Those are high thoughts that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And I don't no longer walk with Him. I do not believe that He's leading me. I rely on my own concept of who I thought He would be. So, in, in Luke it talks about, we'll, we'll turn there, because we were there. What was that Luke? Uh, did I tell you where that was? Okay, I, don't, I think it's Luke 18. I'm not sure. Yeah, Luke 18, I believe it is. Because Jesus asked a question. Luke 18.8 I tell you that he will avenge them speedily nevertheless when the son of man comes shall he find faith on the earth wow that's kind of a strange question things you see from up here things that you see from down there will he find faith in the earth Now, again, faith is the substance of things hoped for. But once I see something, once I apprehend it intellectually, it's no longer something I have to hope for. So unbelief is a very natural part of our being. We want to see things. We want to see results. We want to be able to understand it. But faith is exactly opposite. We're not supposed to be walking by sight. We're supposed to be walking by faith. So every day there's going to be this challenge, this rub to know Him, to put aside ourself and carry his cross. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And that's what Corinthians was talking about. That's we, though we don't see him, we love him. We understand that we're saved because the Holy Spirit is in us. We understand that we're not living for ourselves. There needs to be an evidence of things not seen. But what does unbelief do? Unbelief believes the evidence of things seen. And so many times, here it will come. This can't be the Lord. This can't be the church. Those are things seen. See, and I believe God uses those kind of like a a, a warrant, like when you're going on a highway, kind of like has a, you know, 45 mile an hour speed sign. That's really not the highway. That's just telling you to make some preparation. Now, sometimes you can go by there without slowing down. There's a few signs you've been around. Ah, you don't have to. You can take that one at 55. And there's some that you better go 35. But I believe when those things start rising up in us, unbelief starts rising up in us, we need to understand that's a good thing and see it as unbelief. See, not as that's belief and this is unbelief. You understand what I'm saying? Because I know I've got my hands like this. So many times we actually see God's working, but my understanding says, well, that's ridiculous. And no longer am I relying and committed on Jesus. I'm committed on my concept of what I thought he would do. And I start believing what I see, what I think. And I start having evidence in what I've already learned instead of, Lord, you have a purpose. You've called me to glorify you. Whether I understand that or not, I need to allow that to work in my life. Now, when that begins to happen, the Bible talks about the love of God is straightened in our bowels. There's a place that we come to know Him and it puts great fear into us. It says we were, they were afraid, but yet they followed. 
said, I don't understand this. I don't see this. As a matter of fact, let's turn to uh, the Gospel of John. I was reading this in Oswald. See, and the reason I have to say I'm reading it in Oswald, this is complete disclosure. See, I should have kept all these books to myself and not let anybody. Then you think these, but many people have Oswald. And so I don't want you to think that I'm trying to pull the wool over you. Oh, he got that from Oswald. Yeah, I got it from Oswald. Okay? So you don't have that. You, you, can, you can eliminate that battle in your mind. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if it would have been anything like me. Oh, yeah, well, I heard that on the radio months ago. Who does he think he is? Well, he's pre- just preaching the word. John 7. John 11. John 11. Let's see, where am I? Yeah. Well, this is about Lazarus. We understand the story of Lazarus. We, there's this one part that I, I, I never really have, have grasped. I always think about Lazarus, you know, when Jesus goes and it's Mary and Martha, and that, that's a good part of the story. But there's something else working in the disciples here, that God is going to bring them to a place of having to exercise faith above, now you've got to hear me here, above their service to their concept of God. Now, I know it's going to take some time, but many of us are very interested in serving God. But Paul has no time for serving God. Paul actually says in Corinthians, he says, I'm not called to baptize. But then he goes on, he's, he's baptized quite a few people. You know, he kind of tries to make his point by saying, I've only baptized these people. And as he's writing, no, 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 there's a couple more. No, there, I remember there's that, that whole house we baptized. You know, I'm not sure how many I baptized, but that's not what I'm talking about. Have you, have you read that part? Yeah. He's very... Glad I baptized none of you except so-and-so and so-and-so. Oh, and there was that so-and-so. I should have held him under longer. He says, I'm not called to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Then after that point, you read the rest of Corinthians, there's nothing about the gospel at all. That's from my understanding. Where's the, you know, the cross? Very, very little. Well, he understood that his exercise of faith in the call that God had called him is the actual preaching of the good news, and that's what glorifies God. See, it says there's one glory of the, the body, there's one glory of the terrestrial and the celestial. We are not all called to do the same work in the same way. There are some who do this. Paul talks about There's some who water. There's some who plant. There's some who sow. But God is the one. Now, it's up to us then to allow God to have His will in my life. Above my... Well, I'm, not, I'm called to do this. I'm called to do that. No, we're called to glorify God. And I'm called to have a total commitment to Him no matter what He brings. Now, if I'm called in my own self, my own understanding, it would be very easy for me to do, not walk in faith and do great things. I've healed in Your name. I've baptized in Your name. I've cast out devils in Your name. And Jesus' response is, well, that was a pretty good deal, but no. I don't know you. That's, I was not interested in any of those things. You were. But that was not a faith. That was of your own idea. See, it wasn't like, now Jesus is going to come to tear down because every idea of man, no matter how noble, and we're going to see some noble ideas here. One of the greatest ones is Peter. See, Peter, was his idea of serving God was to actually save Jesus from God's will. You cannot dishonor God by doing His will. But you can dishonor Him by not doing it. And we have to see that that is so ingrained in us not to do the will of God, we actually think it's doing the will of God unless we've learned to be retrained. So here we're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, they come and they say, Lazarus is dying. He says, I'm not going there for three days. We understand that that's at work. But then there's this interesting part here. And in verse 7, and then says, then Jesus says to his disciples, let us go to Judea. And his disciples say, Master, the Jews lay, of late sought to stone you there. He says, wait a minute, Jesus. You don't want to... Let's look at this thing reasonably. See, now, before they didn't say that. Lazarus is coming. We need to die. We're not going to go there for three days. The immediate press wasn't on them. Everything's going great. They're still doing their whatever they're doing. And then Jesus says, let's go up to Judea. Now watch, the, this is, I don't believe we can stop the carnal mind from actually being engaged. But I do believe we need to learn how to put the clutch in. Okay? I mean, sometimes I lay there, and, and of late, I just, my, 
I'm just going. I, I'm, I'm trying. My mind is just going. I said, I, I try not to, you know, do it, but it just does. Sometimes I'm praying. Sometimes I'm doing well. Sometimes I go, ow, no. And, but, so I'm learning to put the clutch in. But sometimes we think, oh, those thoughts will go away. No, those things are, there's a curve coming. Understand, if I don't tell, warn you about this, you'll go right off, through, off that hill. It's important that you discern you're, going, you're leaning on your own understanding again. Exercise faith. Praise me in this situation. There needs to be that battle that goes on within us. So the disciples say, Jesus says, let's go to Judea. And they say, now wait a minute, Lord. Don't you know what's going on in Judea? The Jews are waiting for you to kill you there. I think they tried to stone you one time. You know, it would be the most logical thing and the best thing, Lord. See, now what are they doing? Are they doing this as a sense of, we don't believe in Jesus? No, they're doing it out of a sense of honor. Out of a sense of, we're serving God. God is not interested in your service in any way, shape, or form. He's interested in you preaching the gospel as He has directed you to do so. And that might mean being in a dung pit up to your neck. Now, you're not going to be shouting too long in there preaching the gospel. If you do, you... Anyway. But, see, we, I would like to... How many people here would like to order your own steps? Isn't that what Peter was doing? And Jesus had to come to him. Say, Peter, don't want you ordering your own steps. I have got a call for you... And in you following me in fear and putting down all your logic, you will be exercising faith. And it's in that faith I will be glorified as I choose to be glorified. See, he was once glorified by catching 150, 51 fish, I think it was. 151 fish. Remember the time they said, have you caught any fish? No, no, no. And they said, well, go throw it out here. And they, ah, wow, and everybody glorified God. Well, Jesus, Peter went back fishing, his own concept. Worked once. I have a call for you. I don't want you to lean on your own ideas. But hear me. Let me direct you. So the disciples say, are you going to go to Judah? Judea? Now, like I said, there's time. I don't know if we, we could not help but think that. But there comes a place to where Jesus is unconcerned whether they're going to stone them there or not. That's what he's called to do. And there comes a place that we need to hear our calling make our calling and election sure. And as that works in us, we come to know him. We come to allow that mind to be worked in us. And his disciples said to the master, the Jews wait to stone you there. Are you going to go there again? What would be, Are you going to go there again and let them stone you? And then another place that says, I think Herod was waiting for him there. And Jesus says, go tell that fox. I'm going to be here three days and then I'm going up there. I'm not interested in any other thing except what my Father has asked me to do. Now, that may appear like a failure. That may appear to the logical mind ridiculous. That may be, but this is what God is calling us. That's why, that's why the disciples followed and were afraid. They didn't understand that kind of thing. So when they're trying to actually, Jesus, don't go to the cross. Stay here. We'll protect you. I'll lay down my life for you. And Peter, in his own understanding, actually tried to lay down his life. The whole, I mean, a much scarier situation than, you know, some, some lady coming up to him at night. You know, I, I think you're, you know, you're one of them. Here comes this whole band with torches and Roman soldiers and staves and Peter. But he was running his own life. But when God puts you in a situation, it has to be, you have to exercise faith. And it's the kingdom of God is sown in weakness. We like that song, when I'm weak, then he's strong. We like to sing it. We don't want to believe it. We like to know what's going on. So here we are, oh, they're waiting for me in Judah. Well, well I, I'll just, you know, send them a hanky and we'll lay hands, you know, put a hanky on Lazarus and that'll raise him from the dead. I there has to be a deep understanding that God is directing and ordering your steps. And there then has to be an abandonment. See, abstaining. Remember the, the word of denying yourself? Abstaining from all this chatter, all this thing that seems to make perfect sense. If you be the Son of God, come down off that cross. Now, the Bible says that Jesus was a man tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. Make no mistake about that. But if I put myself on that cross, I would need not need anywhere near that provocation to call down more than 12,000 legions of angels and shut their mouths and I'll show them who they are and God will. No, that's not God's will. 
It's sown in weakness. It's sown in the corruptible things that we are trying to distance ourselves from. That's why it says, go outside the gate and make yourself of no reputation. Paul describes his ministry and actually seals his ministry and uh, uh, gives evidence of his ministry because he is the off-scouring of the earth. And he says, I, I wouldn't have to be in this situation if I just use my um, calculating mind. If I would just do this a little bit, then I could avoid all this. Yes, and there's a pressure. We don't like to suffer naturally. We don't like to suffer. And so we have to be aware that when here comes the direction in our life, we will do everything we can. If it, I don't agree with it. I don't think you should go to Judah. I don't think you should. And I don't think and I don't feel. And Man, I'm not going to sell all that I have because I can do this. And I Calculating is all 100% correct. But it is not of faith. And whatsoever of not of faith is sin. But it can look so good. Actually, we can, in our highest moment, protect Jesus from himself. Have you ever wanted to protect yourself, the church, from the will of God? Because it would look so much better. But we can never glorify God by disobeying him. And so, there's this battle that goes on in us. And it has to be by faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. And once you see it, once you understand it, you're no longer walking in faith. It's the faith that we believe that Jesus is guiding my life and it's bringing up things that will actually cause a battle. You know, they did not have to go through the Red Sea. There was a shorter way. They didn't have to be led. Who was leading, who was leading the people of God? Does anybody know? No? Yeah, the, the Holy Spirit, because it talks about it in Hebrews, the Holy Spirit was leading them in the form of a... So, was, I mean, you had Moses who was, you know, his face was shining. I mean, how much more miracles do you need than Moses? But to really zap them home, they were being led. Could you imagine being led? How many people have wanted to be... Not wanted the Holy Spirit. I want a cloud and fire. Anybody like that here? I wish I knew the will of... Boy, if I had a cloud of fire and a pillar of smoke, I would be serving God. No, you wouldn't. See, it would still have to be the same faith. So here they are. The cloud starts moving. Oh, God's moving. And you know what they began to do when the cloud moved? Oh, we don't want to move again. We just got our tent settled here. Oh, this is ridiculous. Why don't we just get there already? They started to murmur and complain. Murmuring, complaining, no matter how logical it seems, no matter how good it is, is not faith, nor does glorify God, nor does it fulfill God's purpose in your life. But there, the situation is there to actually produce that so we can exercise faith. See, faith cannot be produced without some kind of trial. Remember nylon? It comes from two sources. And if those things are not there, you cannot extract that nylon. It's the same thing. Faith has to be pressed in us in order for us to exercise it. And we as... Me, I'm just speaking for me. Me as a natural person, I don't want to be pressed. I don't want anything like that. So the cloud is moving along. And it leads them where? It leads them to the waters of Meribah. You know what that means? Bitter waters. Who led them there? Come on, let's get happy about this. Because Monday's coming. If you're not happy on Sunday, Monday's real bad. Yeah. The Lord led them. Wow. Now, did they know the Lord was leading them? Had to. There it was. Did it matter? Because what did they do? Murmured, complained. Why did they get Moses again, this and that? Well, why? Because it produced the working of God doesn't produce, but what it does is reveals unbelief in our life. Because remember, what, the, what is the light supposed to do? Shine. And what? Expose the darkness. This is pretty good. This is a Jeopardy question. And where is that, where is that darkness? Yeah, in you. Oh. So who would you not want to trust? I wouldn't want to trust myself. Amen? That's why the Bible continually tells us. But what is the natural reaction? I trust myself. Even with a cloud of fire, a pillar of fire leading me, 
I still, because it's, the sin nature is so ingrained in me that I would murmur against God, complain, and say, this is not the Lord. Now, same thing in us today. Is God le- we, have, we have a more sure word of prophecy, the Bible says. We have a better gospel than that which was preached before Him. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. Do you believe God is leading you? What about when you come up some, to some distasteful waters? And you actually have the power to change it. See, Jesus had the power to come off the cross. Jesus had the power to save his life and to take it up again, he said. The unnatural is being formed in us. And so when we are being led by the Holy Spirit, do we allow what he wants to be conformed in us? Or do I say, I don't understand it, I don't see it, I don't think we should go to Judah because we're going to get killed there. And you didn't do that last time. And I wasn't called to. And all those things need to take place. But ultimately I say, Lord, your will be done in my life and you conform me to the exercising of faith. Now if that doesn't happen, we just become normal people. And normal people do not glorify God. Normal people die in the desert. Seeing God, maybe save. See, now again, we like to reduce unbelief to something, to another day. I'm going to put it that way. But to walk away from the Lord is not to necessarily deny Him in salvation. But I'm not talking about that at this time. See, many times, well, God's in my life. Well, that's true. By His mercy and His grace. Hallelujah for that. And that's a good thing. And that's worth, that is worth everything that we could ever do. Praise God for that. But we're talking about serving God now. That's what this book is written for. He wants to speak to you now. So he's not always going to come in the same gospel message. Like Paul said, he didn't call me to baptize, although he baptized. But he called me to preach the gospel. And I'm going to, let's, let's turn to that. Because when, when God begins to preach to you, it's going to sound like something. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, chapter 1. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, let the cross of Christ become of effect. I'm not here to convince your intellect. I'm not here for you to agree. I'm here to preach the gospel, and the gospel has to be grasped by faith. And if you can't hear that, then I have to trust that God is not speaking to you, or whatever it is, but I do not want to convince you intellectually. He says, the preaching, I didn't come with enticing words. I didn't come with the old Paul style of let me teach you the law and this. I came preaching the cross of Jesus Christ. For the preaching of the cross, and when God begins to move in your life, when you begin to hear direction in your life, it's going to sound much like this. Let's go to Judah. Are you out of your mind? Don't you know they're trying to kill you there? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You're going to go to the cross? I'm not going to let you. You're going to do what? No, I don't believe that's God. There's a reason for that. The Word of God came up against a giant mountain of unbelief. And that mountain has to be removed. That mountain has to be torn down. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it's the power of God. And at that point, are you going to go to Judah too? Are you going to Judah? Then you know they're going to kill you? Now they had a choice. Jesus in another place said, Eat my body, drink my blood. They had a choice. And what they did, they have said, Well, I don't see that. I don't think you should go to Judah. No, we don't. They did it. In the doing of it now in what God is requiring. See, not the doing of it, oh, I know you're the resurrection later. I know you did that four years ago, two years ago. We're going to Judah. And you know what there is? I love, the, I love the answer there. If you read further down, they turned to one another and said, we might as well go with them and all die together. They had no understanding. They still were going in what they could only understand, but their faith and commitment to the Master let them go through their fear and objections. Even though they had the wrong conclusion, they were willing to die. 
Are you willing to die to your idea? Are we willing to hear God now? Not always going to come the same way. Not always going to come the same message. Let's go to Judah is, is the cross. Let's go up to Jerusalem might be the cross. Let's get Timothy circumcised. Oh, well, I know. There's some stuff there. And right now you've got a lot of stuff going on. I can just... That's what it's supposed to do. God would never lead me to these waters. If God loved me, I wouldn't be here at the waters of bitterness. Yes, you would. You're, just, he's, you're coming against your concepts of your God. And that's not enough to serve Him. We have been called by the Holy Spirit and by Jesus Christ Himself and by God the Father and have been placed to a specific call and direction. And there would be no other way to glorify God than to fulfill that call and direction. And if, I, if Jesus Christ would do all manner of good, if Jesus Christ went to Asia to preach the gospel, if Jesus Christ went and did this, and it did not fulfill the will of God, He would not have glorified God nor been the heir of eternal salvation. Paul says, I have finished my work, the call that I have been called to. And he makes it very clear, Peter has called to that, I have been called to that, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision God has called me to. I am not interested in what those other men do except God bless them and I pray they're exercising faith. But God has called me to glorify Him here and now in this situation. No, I don't understand it. Though He slay me, though I have trials and tribulation, though I have a messenger from the devil, thank God that I am understanding His kingdom is sown in weakness. His kingdom is sown in foolishness because when the Word of God comes, it's going to sound foolish to that which is perishing. And the old man is perishing day by day. Oh. Wow. But the more we hang on to that, the further away we get from the Lord. See, I don't have to deny the Lord in the sense that, you know, I don't believe Him anymore. I just don't have to do what He says. See, Peter could have said, well, I love you. Feed my sheep. Well, you know, and not, you know, I think God would have still loved him. But I don't think we would have heard any more about Peter. I don't think we would have seen the prophecy fulfilled. Same thing with Saul, Paul, all the disciples, men of God, women of God. Ruth, what a ridiculous story that is. Have you ever noticed whenever God does anything, they're ridiculous stories. They're weak, beggarly stories. They don't look like God moving. But we have a more sure word. And that should be bright and bright. And it's going to come in the most ridiculous ways. It's going to come as God, the not appearing as God, and it's going to challenge your idea of who He is. Wow. His, his ways are not our ways. And we have to be confident. See, if we're not confident in, who, in Him, if we're not completely relying and committed to Him, I may be, get involved in my own service to him of what I think he should be doing. He shouldn't go to Judah. You know, if he goes to Judah, they're going to stone him there, and there goes the ministry, and everything's going to fall apart. No, we've got to stop that. See, I think we're not going to go to Judah. And I don't want him to go to the cross because then he's going to die. And sounds very good. Those things must die. But I need a strong commitment in him. Not a calculating mind that thinks like it's acting on faith. Let's go with him, even though we're going to die. Lord, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. And at that point, those, those that remained probably became the, the butt of every joke. Oh, look at those weirdos. You know what? They're, they're cannibals over there. No, we're, 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 you know, I, I mean, I, they, they're just weird over there. I don't think they... They had to wrestle with that. They had to wrestle with that. But the commitment the deliberate commitment that says, Lord, I'm following you. I might not like it. I might not understand it. I might even like grouse against it from time to time. But Lord, I'm going to practice that. I'm going to walk by faith. And faith has to tear down that calculating mind. So there has to be that commitment. And we read this, I believe, last week, but Philippians chapter 1. We need to be confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it, even if you're going to die in, in Judah. 
even if you're going to be drinking bitter waters, even if no matter what it is, even though you thought you were supposed to go to Asia to preach the gospel, and what does the Holy Spirit say to Paul? Don't go. Okay? He prayed about it again. You know what he did? Went someplace else. Didn't get it right. Don't go. And you know when he finally ended up going to the right place, do you know what happened to him? Got beat up, kicked around, thrown in prison. And at the end of all that, back laid open in stocks, a handful of people get saved. Well, that seems pretty ridiculous. Why didn't God just... I don't know. I don't know why God doesn't, other than I know it's, it's sown in corruption. It's sown in foolishness. It's sown in weakness. But it's raised, and that's where our faith is. We're not looking at the, we're not looking at the circumstances that are here, other than they're de- there's this there, we need to work through them. But we're, our steps are ordered by that which we don't see. My heart is... Don't do it. That's ridiculous. I don't want to work with those people. I think I'm being ripped off. They're not doing the... What will you do? Let's go to Judah to get killed with you. That's a good place to be. And they go, and they go, and finally most of those men went to the ends of the earth preaching the gospel. You know what happened to them? All of them, almost all of them, gave their lives. Their lives were cut off short. What a waste. Well, from my perspective, yes. From what I thought I would want to do, yes. I don't think they're up there in heaven right now saying, boy, I wish I was, could have lived to be 100. I wish I could have had an iPod. Well, I wish I... But I'm telling them, it's not, it's, uh, don't get one. They're not good. They're up there glorying. Thank God he kept me. Thank God I gave my life. Weeping is going to endure for a night. We are in a we are the off scouring of the world. The world and even in ourselves despises us. But Lord, you have a call for me. What is that call? I'd like you to build a boat. Oh, get serious. God would never ask. Have you ever not been amazed of what God would not ask you to do? It's all the real stuff. Oh, God's not interested in how I eat, drink wear my clothes and this that show me one place that he deals with almost anything but that Samson I'm going to call you to be a mighty man of God do you think he needs to have long hair to be a mighty man of God doesn't need long hair to be a mighty man of God I do he doesn't you, do you think wine really makes a difference for God to move in his life no but God says that well, that seems pretty ridiculous. Of course it does. It's me, he says. You have no idea what I'm talking about. God doesn't need a boat to save the earth. God doesn't even need you. Thank God he's included us. So we're building a boat right now. It's called the Ark of Salvation. And you're working with some unseemly characters. It's hidden. Because remember where the glory of God is hidden incorruptible things that we have a treasure in earthen vessels it's not going to look like it especially after the first let's just be reasonable 20 years I don't know how much they got done on that boat they didn't have sawzalls power tools eight of them now couldn't God have done a better job with a thousand people how many people believe that We, we always like to think that way well, there was about a million people going through the desert. Didn't work out any better. Twelve, two. He's not limited by many or by few. But what does limit our knowing of him is my faith or my calculating mind. I said, well, I don't believe God can do that. I don't want to be ripped. I, I just don't. See. That's supposed to be there. That's what you offer to God. Those things are not faith. They're understanding. And you're not supposed to rely on that. You're supposed to have doubt. I know that's not going to win you. I'm not going to write a book. You're supposed to have all, all the books. Live without doubt. I doubt it. We're supposed to have doubt. 
We're supposed to have that. Those are the things that we offer to God. Those are the things that cause us to exercise faith. In those things, we're supposed to rejoice. Lord, I can't do that. Would you help me? Because I would have to begin to see the invisible things of God. And understanding the things that I see are actually made up of that thing which I can't see, that's ordering my life, that's moving me through this corruptible world into the kingdom of God and eventually eternal life. The kingdom of God is sown in corruption. It's sown how? A small little seed. He said, this is the kingdom of God. It's the smallest of all seeds. And most people think, oh, that's just a seed. And it grows. The exact opposite of the natural gospel is what God's doing. So would you like to come to know Him? Because He's offering eternal life. He's offering forgiveness of sins. He's offering the truth. But it would just cost you one thing to walk with Him. Your whole life. Everything you ever thought, felt. And the things you probably haven't even felt yet. There's things I hadn't felt before, before I got saved. So hardened, so cold, so rejected God. Didn't even know I had feelings. Walked on, I mean, literally walked on glass, took cold showers, you know, didn't cry. Sat in, yeah, sat in, you know. I know it's weird. You think this is bad. I've come a long way. You know. But I still don't like feelings. They bother me. I don't know how to handle them. They make me upset. I didn't have to get upset before I was saved. Just put a hot iron to all my feelings. And God says, I want you to, you know, feel this. Get out of here. Worked my whole life. Okay. Well, you're going to have some things that you're, you know, going to come up against. And I'm it's the Lord. He's going to lead you to the waters of Meribah. He's going to have Moses. Wouldn't be politically correct to say that today, but the one that, oh yeah. Wow, have you got some things? Is it God? Yeah, it is. Well, then let's go to Judah. We might, we might end up dying there. That's the commitment he wants. To hate your life. To hate every calculating thought you had. Proving. I can prove it's God. I, yeah, go ahead. It should be impossible. Amen? Amen? So today, you know, and then tomorrow, even on a skiing trip, you're going to have an opportunity to come face to face with unbelief. Yeah. Oh, you know, even in the midst of a good time. Right? So be aware. This week's going to be filled with great challenges to know the Lord, that God's will be done in our life. Amen, amen and amen.